This is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. A trio of novels by Hugh Howey, Silo's Future is Bleak, where the outside world is deadly to the 10,000 survivors within a giant multi-level underground silo. But perhaps there are dangers inside, as the residents live with a very strict code, and a violation leads to death. A hard-working engineer named Juliet Nichols, played by Rebecca Ferguson, is the lead on the journey to solve what bothers her, that the truths in the silo could be as manufactured as the silo itself. There is more sci-fi talk, so stay tuned. Rebecca Ferguson is Juliet Nichols, and I joined her in a roundtable setting. Did she read the books before she got the role, and if you've read it since? Don't do that. No, I'm kidding. Um, when I was offered the role, no, I wasn't familiar with them. And then obviously I went deep diving and read all of them, compared. I was in direct conversation with Hugh um, because obviously they had to change the narrative a bit from book to to the TV show. Um, and I kept on talking about how to maintain the core of her uh, that he created. So, yeah, I do all the research. Great to meet you, Rebecca. One of the things I look for in an actor's performance is not just what they say, but the way they stand and the way they act. And with uh, Juliet, I noticed at first, she kind of, at times, slightly hunched and didn't make eye contact at first with people because, for whatever reason, was that something that you wanted to bring or to the character or was that in the script? It's, it's so silly. It's like if you would write something and I would go, by the way, I hit, I hit that little note in your writing. And you go, yes, thank you. I did. I worked. I worked actually with, and it sounds maybe a bit silly. I don't think so. I worked with a body movement coach because I often find myself quite erect, um, poised. Uh, and I thought I really don't want to do that with her because she needs something else. And especially being in a cramped environment, with the machinery, you would have these sort of body traumas. Uh, so the hunchback and the fact that she doesn't look at people, I think, is very much how I interpret someone who has a lot of grief and sadness and anger and has these sort of horse thingies up and just moves. She doesn't want to touch people. She doesn't want to be around people. She just wants a machine. So thank you. Yes, I worked really hard on that. Well, it shows great. And and I love as she progressed, how it changed a little bit too. So that was cool. Thank you. As you developed the character, what was the hardest part of her to connect to? I mean, the American American is always quite difficult because when you have to do an accent, I have to step out. I have to do the work as good as I can, and I have a voice coach on set. But you're not free to ad lib and play. You're stuck within the frames of rhythm. And culture, and American culture is not the same as Swedish culture in the way Americans speak. So that is always quite a, a bit of a holdback. And then I think for me in general, because I wanted her to be quite introvert until she kind of grows, um, me as Rebecca, I lean forward and I'm curious and I take a lot of place. I had to constantly remind myself that Juliet doesn't. Like, there would be scenes and I would be confronting someone. or And then I have to go, oh, yeah, no, she wouldn't. Let's, go, let's do that again. <laughs> One of the themes is what the past can teach us about our future. 
What does Juliet hope the past can teach her about this future? I think what's interesting for Juliet is the fact that she's hiding away from the past and what the future is doing is actually unraveling a box that she has for years tried to not unpack. And I think she's coming to terms with that grief and loss is something that makes you whole. You know, she's put in a position of leadership to move something forward. But how can you move things forward if you're not whole, right? Sci-Fi Talk returns in a moment. You're also one of the executive producers on the series. What did that entail for you and your contributions in that role? It was all quite new to me. So when um, I was offered the role with Graham in the room and Morten Tuldum, the, the first director, we were talking and I was umming and eyeing and it wasn't sort of not that I didn't, I loved it and I loved Graham, but it's a big role to put yourself into, right? And I felt a bit like the, the thing we talk about, I've come from sci-fi, I do sci-fi, just uh, is this sort of, I don't want to get into the genre of it, but I love the character and wee, wee, wee. And he kind of went, well, how about an executive producer? And I went, I'm just going to Google what that means, two seconds. I literally, because I didn't know and when I realized it was the fact that I was allowed to be a part of the creative aspect of something, it doesn't mean that I'm writing, it's writ, written, but he listened to my ideas, I felt heard, I, I was quiet, I would listen to him, I learned from a phenomenal showrunner um, how to set up a show, but to be honest, on set, I took producer cap off, I was, I was one with the team, but I think as a producer... If I act a certain way, it will be seen and it will be respected in a certain way, right? And as a lead. So if I want equality around the, and I want certain mannerisms that I will act upon, I don't like hierarchy, then that will be the setting. And I think Graham had that as well. So we had the most incredible energy on set because everyone was a part of it. Um, and I don't know if that's, because of an executive role or people feeling like it was more important, I listen to Graham and I watch other people and I just do what I feel is important for a good set. Well, I think one of the main themes of this is truth and what is truth. And the silo has kind of its own and won't say anything more. Talk about that theme. It really rings, hate to say it, but true to the series. Such a lovely juxtaposition-filled world word of horror. It's funny, isn't it? Because the word is what ejects Juliet into moving forward and into a new position and idealism. It's so interesting to speak about these, so generally and broad. <laughs> but it's also a word that is so misused um, and a word that a lot of people don't question. And it's interesting in this environment that is so compact. I remember, I remember um, Hugh Howey once said, he talks about the philosophy of the two minds, Rosso versus Hopper. Rosso says that society is born, we're born good and society destroys us. And Hopper said, we're born evil and society tames us. So he said he liked the idea in the books anyway to have those different idealisms and IT basically being the idea that society tames you, control, truth, the pact. And then you have something like the mechanical who is all about tactile, moving forward, fighting, having feelings and emotions. 
but one can't really work without the other. What is the truth? But what you first need to is ask the question, who is controlling us? What is controlling us? You know? So the truth is asked on so many different levels. And also, like I come back to philosophically, but Juliet and all the characters, what is the truth for you? Chinaz Oche's character, Billings, hides behind the truth of something that he's hiding with, with something that we can't talk about. We all, <laughs> we all have our own truths and how much we need to disclose of it. Great answer. Thank you. If someone found a relic of yours in the future, what would it be? Oh, I like that. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> this is so stupid. So I just stopped smoking, right? I probably shouldn't say that, but I am because I'm the truth teller and I'm honest. No smoking, no nicotine, 53 days, and I'm going to applaud myself. Thank you. Thank you. But I always find substitutes because I'm that kind of a person. So I found these little toothpicks that have like caffeine in them. So I always find, and we find the toothpicks all over. And I've now become like this B12 caffeine um, toothpick person. Wherever I go, there's a trail of toothpicks behind me. I've become like this lumberjack. I was going to say crackhead, but not really. So I think at this time, you'll find a toothpick. The sheriff of the silo is Holston. What does he see in Juliet? How much do we want to say? Um, it's a good question. I think he says it very well in the in the confrontation with her in a moment where she's showing him her truth. Um, and he says that, I think he says it to her, or he says it to someone else when he says that she reminds him of his wife. Uh, and he has a very special relationship to his wife for various reasons. But he's in search of something. And his wife is a person who goes against, Rashida Jones plays her phenomenal goes against the status quo, not actively, but once again is put in a situation where things are starting to unravel. And she goes against and she questions. And we live in a society underground where people are not doing this. People are not going against and starting the ripple effects. We've had the rebellion. There's been emotion. People were killed. We want to control the status quo. And here he is now with two women who both are standing on the barricade saying, uh-uh, enough. Um, I think that's what draws him to it. How big is the spiral staircase separating the levels of the silo? The sets are, I mean, absolutely incredible. I've been on the most phenomenal sets. I've been lucky and fortunate enough. And yet, like you said, I haven't done TV in a long time, but the film sets that I do are usually on location uh, and they're real, and it's the desert, or it's this, or it's Tom in a helicopter, you know, whatever it is. Um, I walked onto this set, and it was mind-blowing how high the stairs were. It was mind-blowing, the detail and, and intricacy of each room, of each character, that had small details of makes them who they are within an environment that never changes. The machinery... The fact that when we have to work with this huge machine, yes, of course, there's blue screen around us, but the size of it, the fact that we get to climb it, the fact that we need rope to get up it, is all real. It's all there. Um, we have three different locations where we're filming because it's too big. And it makes it so uniquely incredible as an actor to walk onto set 
and to use the momentum of things around you, to look at it, to feel it, it becomes real. I mean, I'm so happy I'm not working with blue screen. I mean, we have bits, but I don't feel like that is the essence of the show. Um, and Apple have always been, for us, supporting the fact that it needs to be real. Thank you, Rebecca. Appreciate Love Spark Hunter, day. too, by the way. Oh, you listened to it. I sure did. It was fantastic. 